Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Your path is going to look different from others. And I think we spend a lot of time, you know, on social media looking for that role model, looking for that person who's going to have all of the ideas that we can incorporate to make our lives better. But I think the bottom line is you have to take a little piece from here, a little piece from there and build something that really works for you. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Kristen here, holistic health coach and your host. And today is an extra special episode. I am so, so excited to share with all of you guys. Today's guest is a dream guest for me if there ever was one. I started listening to podcasts way back in 2012 almost 10 years ago now, when I was struggling personally with a lot of digestive issues. And one of the things that really helped me in the early stages of dealing with my digestive issues was discovering the world of paleo nutrition. Because something that helped me a lot when my gut was super inflamed was going grain-free, and there are not a lot of grain-free recipes out there, and I didn't have a lot of experience with grain-free, both in the traditional nutrition that I had learned in school and then kind of moving into going to culinary school. It wasn't until studying holistic nutrition that I really started learning that grain-free could be an option to help me work on my gut health, um, at least in the short term. One of the very, very first, actually the first podcast that I started listening to on the regular was the Balance Bites podcast with Diane Sanfilippo and Liz Wolf. Liz Wolf's book, Eat the Yolks, was one that opened my eyes so much to much of what I had learned in school about nutrition that just didn't work for my body. And she put a lot of answers to some of the questions I had about why some of the things that I had learned about weren't quite working for me. Things like why processed grains just didn't feel good in my body when I was going through digestive issues and why I was taking the egg whites out of the yolks. If it came as one, why did I have to take the yolks out for it to be healthy. And so her book, Eat the Yolks, as well as the Balance Bites podcast were really pivotal in my early stages of learning about holistic nutrition and really learning what felt good in my body. Not to mention, I loved coming back to their podcast each and every week. I ended up listening from the very beginning. I remember talking to my best friend, Jen, about the new episodes that would come out, and we would talk about you know, the new information we would learn or the funny Mean Girls quotes, and I just, I loved their podcast 
for all of the years that it was out. And so earlier this year, I was doing a an online podcast retreat with the ladies from the Modern Mamas podcast. You guys have heard Jess on the podcast here twice and Laura as well. And I just adore those two and everything that they've created. And they are, you know, certainly one of the catalysts for wanting to start my own podcast um, because they're just two incredible humans. And they've both helped me a lot in my own motherhood um, with their guests. And they had Liz on during this retreat as one of the speakers. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there and send her a DM and see if she might be willing to come on for my women's health series to talk about her course, Baby Making and Beyond. And wouldn't you believe it? She said yes. I immediately texted my friend Jen. (laughs) I was so excited that I was actually able to get on the phone with Liz Wolf and be able to talk with her. And When I tell you that this conversation was so much better than I ever could have imagined, you're going to have to listen to really understand what I'm talking about. Whether you have ever been pregnant before or plan on becoming pregnant in the future, if you're in those early stages of thinking about having a baby or maybe you're, you're considering having number two, Liz is so open about bringing to light how difficult her experience was with her first birth experience not going as planned. And she talks so much in this episode, not just about baby making and beyond. We talk about fertility and pregnancy nutrition, but we also talk about expecting the unexpected. And learning how to go with the flow and give yourself grace and flexibility with nutrition and with life and just motherhood in general. And it was honestly one of the most beautiful conversations I've had on this podcast. And I'm just so, so grateful for her coming on and sharing her wisdom with us, hopping back into the podcasting world after being out of it for so long. Um, So let me go ahead and introduce her, though I don't really think she needs an introduction. Many of you probably already know who she is, but Liz is a nutritional therapy practitioner whose passion for healthy foods, safer skincare, and supported parenting led her to spend the last decade writing books, creating online online programs, and hosting a top-rated podcast to share her experiences with healthier living from multiple angles. She's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Eat the Yolks, the creator of the Purely Primal Skincare Guide, and co-creator of the online program, Baby Making and Beyond. She's the mother of two fearless, bold little girls who have been the catalyst for profound personal and professional soul-searching, and she wouldn't have it any other way. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Liz Wolf. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to have you on. Uh, I'm excited too. And I forgot to ask you, can I, am I supposed to call you Kristen or Chris? You can call me either. My friends okay. call me both. So it's all okay. good. <laughs> okay. I'm going to call you Chris because that makes me feel like we have a lot of familiarity between us. And I like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's so funny. I didn't tell you before we started recording, but the Balance Bite podcast, the Balance Bites podcast, was the first podcast I ever listened to. And I listened to it for so many years. Well, really up until you guys finished the podcast. And so it's pretty surreal to be able to be on the other side and to be able to be talking to you. So this is very exciting. Oh my gosh. It's just so funny how, how long we did that for. And it, I don't know, just the fact that it's over, it's just, it's still is mind blowing to me. We were talking before we got started, you and I, about how I realized today that all my podcast equipment is like, I, I gave it away. I got rid of it. I, you know, I was looking around for my fancy microphone and I couldn't find it. So I feel like I'm, I'm just back at the very beginning when we were recording through iPhones. <laughs> I mean, I think it is just your voice and your knowledge. I think we are going to love, but it is so funny that you're just kind of in a different in a different phase now, right? Very strange, very strange. So I'm sure that most of my listeners are going to know who you are just from the Balance Bites podcast or from your book. Um, you know, you've had all of these things that you've done over you know the past decade or so. Um, but for those of the listeners who might not know who you are, can you just briefly, you know, introduce yourself and just kind of share maybe how you got into the world of nutrition and kind of your philosophy? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry if somebody just heard my daughter running around upstairs. She's all the way upstairs, and but she sounds like it sounds like a herd of like water buffalo running across the <laughs> upstairs floor. Um, so I would not put it past anybody to not have a clue who I am at this point. I feel like I've kind of been out of the game for a while, out of the podcast game, out of the social media game. But I came into the real food world probably about, oh gosh, 10 years ago started with a blog, started writing my thoughts on the internet about CrossFit and paleo. I was in the midst of getting certified in CrossFit and getting certified as a nutritional therapy practitioner, which is still a program that I absolutely love through the Nutritional Therapy Association. And over those next couple of years, I ended up getting a book deal, writing a book, Eat the Yolks, which is really just about real food and how we got to the point where fake food looks like real food and real food looks scary. So I wrote that book. It went on to be a Wall Street Journal bestseller, which was just, I was so proud of that. And it's still, you know, still one of my proudest moments other than my daughter and this other child on the way. Um, And after that, or around that time, I think maybe even now I'm losing track before, yeah, before actually the book um, came out, I was working a ton in um, promoting the idea of natural skincare. And it was kind of relatively new at the time. It was still sort of the realm of hippies and, uh, you know, crunchy mamas and minimalists. And over time, over the course of probably five to seven years, that interest in very natural skincare, which I think also dovetails really well with real whole food, minimal ingredients, that type of thing, it kind of evolved into more of an interest in safer skincare, um, you know, sweet almond oil, coconut oil, baking soda, apple cider vinegar are all wonderful. But when you start to get a little older, you start to wonder if there are some ingredients that you can add there that will add a little bit of extra firepower to your skincare without all of the yucky ingredients. So that kind of educational business ran parallel to the to the real food promotion. And during all of that, for about eight years, was doing the Balanced Bites podcast with Diane Sanfilippo, who is wonderful linking up with a lot of really phenomenal people in the real food world, learning a ton as much as I possibly could, and then kind of took the natural step as we decided to start our family, took that natural transition into talking about what I was doing with fertility and pregnancy and now second pregnancy. So that's sort of where I live now is doing you know as much as I can manage to do um, with my Facebook group for for moms and the you know, Liz's idea, curious types <laughs> and, and working on the baby making and beyond program, which is kind of a, a living, breathing thing with Meg, the midwife, who is a wonderful, wonderful human being and a midwife in Canada. We work on that and that's, that continues to grow. We've got some people that are, that have, that have bought in and had really great experiences with the program. And we're just working on building it out every well, I wouldn't say every day because we're both parents, but as much as we possibly can. Mm, so good. I remember when you announced that you were pregnant with your first daughter and yeah. just how excited I was very excited because I want to say they're fairly close to the same age. I might have had my daughter a little bit before, but I remember my daughter is five and a half. Yeah, my daughter's six. So okay. yeah, it was right, it was right around probably when she was really young. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, hearing kind of your experience around that. And I loved that you took that experience and you, you know, you made it something where you're educating other women on it as well. So you have your book, which I remember reading on the subway when I lived in, we lived in <laughs> Toronto. We lived in this big city. And so I would either have the Balance Bites podcast in my ear or I would be reading your book on the subway. <laughs> oh, I love that. It was about, we lived about an hour outside of the city and I would go in, I was working as a natural foods personal chef at the time. And so I, you know, needed something to do on the way there. So I remember reading your book and So you have this book, you had this podcast for eight years, which I mean, I'm a year and a half into the podcast. I can't even fathom. That's so cool. It'll go fast. Oh yeah, I imagine. (laughs) And you also managed to have a kiddo and come out with this program. So can you kind of share where that switch happened? I mean, obviously you decided to start a family yourself and became pregnant and, but how did kind of your pregnancy, so your fertility journey and your pregnancy and all that, how did that kind of shift your perspective and really kind of what it means to eat real food and live a healthy life? 
That's a really good question. And it actually, I think I went into the journey feeling like it was something I could control really well. If I just did X, Y, Z, that the output would be predictable and I would know exactly what was going to happen on the other end. And I think I learned a really, really valuable lesson in that some people are that lucky, other people, that's not how it works. So I think the image that I have in my head, and I said this, yeah, I don't post on Instagram very often, but the most recent Instagram post I did, which was probably like two months ago or something like that, was the image that I have in my head is that I I want to be more like a tree where I can bend in the wind, but not break. Like that, that um, representation of strength has been really, really a helpful image for me over the last couple of years. Because when I first started um, on the fertility and the pregnancy and the motherhood journey, I really did feel like, well, if you just do X, Y, and Z, then you'll have a predictable outcome. And the people that didn't have the predictable outcome just didn't do the stuff. You know, they weren't, you know, it's an old, old, tired, like analogy where if it's not working out for you, you're not paleoing hard enough, or you're not real fooding hard enough, or you're not crossfitting hard enough. And what I learned was that life is really unpredictable. There are so many levers and pulleys that are all being moved at the same time. You just don't always know how things are going to go. And I think that's the lesson that I really did need to learn. Um, And so in all of that, you know, we started out working on baby making and beyond before I had my first baby. I still remember Meg, the midwife coming in from Canada, coming down to our farm where we lived at the time. We took some PR pictures, you know, she listened to my belly with a fetoscope instead of a Doppler, you know, cause I, I was trying to minimize, you know, various exposures to different, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like environmental this is where my pregnancy brain comes in, but environmental elements that maybe have been introduced over the last 10, 20, 30 years, just trying to be super natural and super crunchy about it. And I remember all that. And I think I I did, you know, I was very quote unquote compliant with what I would have recommended other people do if they had come to me, did all of that stuff, and then had a completely wacky labor and delivery and start to parenthood where I just learned that being rigid and having a really unbending, inflexible set of expectations for many people will really set you up to feel really knocked off your rocker and really behind the eight ball. So I feel like I began parenthood feeling very confused, very, um, and as do we all, but feeling like, what the heck just happened? Like all of this stuff went not the way it was supposed to. And now I don't know where my footing is. And that was really, really tough. And it took me a long time to climb out of that. I think some of that might be a personality thing. Um, I was never really into uh, personality tests, but now having taken the Enneagram test and knowing I'm an Enneagram six and also having looked at Gretchen Rubin's framework with the four tendencies and knowing I'm an obliger, it makes more sense to me now why these things were so difficult for me. So from there on, after my daughter was born, it was almost like a, a really necessary painful cracking open of what the baby making and beyond program needed to be where we needed to be realistic and make people feel like there is a very wide range of what you can do to have a harmonious, you know, successful, whatever your definition of success is supported, um, just good, confident experience as a pregnant person and, um, your experience with, fertility and all of that. So we really had to dump a lot of things in, in how we were wording things and how we were structuring the program. And it continues to grow from there as I continue to learn about how to be flexible, what, uh, what makes sense for me. And none of that is perfect. None of it is even striving for quote unquote perfection on any given day. So, you know, I know there are people out there that really thrive on a sort of more rigid, um, type of program. And, and that's great. But for me, I could not sell something like that. I couldn't promote something like that because it was very clearly shown to me through my life 
experiences to be inauthentic. And now I really do feel like I'm living more authentically. I'm, I'm kind of doing the things that I believe work well for me and hopefully making other people feel validated in not being, you know, what maybe they would consider 100% perfect or compliant or by the book all the time. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I am a hundred percent with you. And there's a reason it's the healthy balanced mama podcast over here. Yeah. I think there's so much space for balance and flexibility. And, um, you know, in, in my own experience with, with pregnancy, um, pregnancy specifically, my labor experience was much different than I had expected, but very much rooting from having a pregnancy that was also very unexpected with my oldest daughter. I ended up with some complications and being someone who, you know, has nutrition certifications and I was like working as a natural food chef and I I had all of this knowledge and I still ended up with quite a few complications during my pregnancy. And it was so confusing to me because I'm like, I've done all of the right things. Mm -hmm. And I really did feel like my body had almost betrayed me when I was like, you know, I ended up with gestational diabetes and I had gestational hypertension right at the end when I was planning on a home birth and then it ended up being a hospital birth and like all of these things. So I am a hundred percent with you, like nodding along going, I can very much relate to that experience of, and I'm going into my second pregnancy. So my second daughter is two now and really needing to let go of the same. Cause I think I, I also had a lot of expectations around what a healthy pregnancy looked like or the things that I had to do. And even doing the right things, quote unquote, I still ended up with these complications. And mm-hmm. what was interesting is with way more flexibility and way less expectations the second time around, I didn't have the same complications as the first time around, oh, which funny. I'm sure some of it is you know, lack of stress. And some of it is just my body is different. And, you know, every pregnancy and every, you know, everyone's experience at different points in their life is different. So I think that what you're doing, you know, bringing that flexibility into it is, it's incredible and needed, I think. Well, and you can dwell in the the after part too, you know, it's not just what you did before, but it's also after the fact being like, what did I do wrong? What was that one lever that I did not move at the right time that made all of this stuff go wrong? And I still get stuck in that mindset of just wondering, well, what happened? What happened? So what did I do? So I don't do that again. And sometimes you are never, ever, ever going to know. Mm -hmm. We can make reasonable assumptions that it's always good to, you know, have your sleep on track or, let your stress go in whatever way that is. But what's kind of paradoxical is that sometimes letting go of stress means letting go of perfection or letting go of worrying about eating the same or eating a a excellent diet all the time or or whatever it is, or maybe letting go of, oh gosh, I have to go to bed by nine o'clock every night, or I have to have my blue light glasses on all the time. All of those little things that people start to decide are these pivotal factors in what they're doing and what they're trying to construct for themselves. Sometimes that just ends up being too stressful and that's the stuff you need to let go of and stop, stop worrying about whatever happened before and just move forward. It took me a long time. It took me, and I've been really open about this. It took me quite a bit of therapy and, and space and distance and time to really come to a place where I could accept there are certain things that I'll never really know. I will never be able to go back and verify the formula and what I did wrong and what I need to do differently this time. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Very, very much with you on that. And it is hard because there's so many unknowns, but I think being someone who holds that space for other women is so huge and being like, it's, we just sometimes, I mean, and having gone through it yourself going, sometimes we just, we don't know and we'll never know. know. And we can just, we can just kind of do our best and, um, to work through it and to hopefully approach things in a more flexible way, I guess the next time around. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious a little bit more about baby making and beyond. Can you explain a little bit about kind of the foundation of baby making and beyond? I know you talk about the core four. Can you kind of explain what these areas are and why you chose these areas as being the areas you focused on, at least in the beginning of baby making and beyond? Yeah, the core four, and, and like I said, this has been like a living, breathing thing. We kind of, our goal at first was to have this this core, these core four concepts, and then have those kind of um, supported by 
other modules on fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum. What we realized was that we were really trying to do too much. And what we were doing was we were making people feel like there was a different magical formula for all these different time periods. We're still working on that stuff. We're still, we've got a fertility module. We've got a pregnancy module that's trickling out. And we have, of course, the best intentions for our postpartum module. But in the end, I think what it really comes down to is this core four. And so, you know, not a sales pitch at all, but that's, that's how we priced it. We priced basically the entire program at a place where the value is in the core four. And if you want to augment what you're getting, you can, you know, add these other modules a la carte. But what you really need, what anybody really needs to start with is the core four, because that's, that's just the bread and butter. Um, so the core four encompasses four, four, huh? Wow. You know riveting there, how we named it, four different concepts, sleep, movement, and exercise, which are one, nutrition, and then we also have supplementation built in there as well. And what did I just say? Did I say my four? Guys, I'm eight months pregnant. Did I say all of them? I think so. Yeah. I think we've got stress and, did I say stress and sleep? Stress and sleep, movement and exercise, nutrition. Nutrition with supplements supplements in there. Yeah. Okay. Got it. We'll have to be very forgiving of my memory today. But I'm rubbing like two brain cells together trying to get a spark going. But I think what most people want to do, oftentimes at least people that come in through you know my world, which had been the world of nutrition for a really long time, they want to know what to eat, why, and which supplements to take. And in the end, that ends up being a really monster proposition because as with everything, depending on who you are, it just varies. So what we tried to do was put together a pretty robust nutrition section that talks about the nutrients that you need and why, different ways to get them without being too prescriptive. Because there are certain things that some people just can't stomach the first trimester. And that's okay. I personally haven't been able to stomach certain things my entire pregnancy and I've just let it go. There are a few rules of thumb that I think are really important for everybody, like just avoiding trans fats, which is becoming a lot easier to do now. Um, Avoiding industrial oils, which is becoming a little bit easier to do. And just making sure you have an overall nutrient-dense diet, dense in protein, fulfilling your tips and tricks for, for fulfilling your protein needs, your fat needs, and things like that. We give sample menus. But I always tell folks, I I am not a cook and I'm not very um, accountable in that way. So even the simplest food, as long as you're focusing on protein, a certain range of nutrients and getting in maybe some really good supplements, which was something that I grappled with for a while. I feel like a lot of us have lived in that space where we tell folks, practitioners anyway, where we tell folks, you can get everything you need from food. Just, you know, you really need to be getting what you need from food because of the nutrient synergy and all that. And what I realized with the second pregnancy was I will not be opening a tin of sardines every single day for my EPA and DHA. I will likely not be cooking the way I was cooking in the first one because now I have a five-year-old running around who also needs lunch. So the really wonderful thing about targeted supplementation is that it really just fills those gaps and gives you peace of mind so you stress less, which is always kind of the name of the game. So among other things, that's what we really tried to do with the nutrition section is not give people a really rigid framework, but hopefully help guide people into feeling comfortable with flexibility. And that can be really hard for some folks, depending on your personality type sometimes. But I think it's also a really powerful lesson to learn before you have kids is to learn to be comfortable being flexible and pivoting and being, being, you know, soft with yourself about that stuff. So that's the nutrition section. Then of course we have the stress mitigation section, which is, there's, there's not as much to say about it in my opinion, because people just have fewer questions about it. People have a million questions about diet and nutrition. And so we end up having to kind of reflect that back in the depth and breadth of our nutrition section. But when it comes to things like stress and sleep, people tend to buy in a little bit more wholeheartedly. And so what we just do there is offer hopefully some really common sense ways to improve stress and sleep hygiene, some different options. It's going to be different for everybody. What makes people feel more relaxed? What takes away people's stress? Um, 
for me personally, for example, I did the, I chose to do the transcendental meditation course a couple of years ago and it was phenomenal for me. It was absolutely wonderful. Yet at the same time, I don't make the time to do my transcendental meditation every day, just when I really, really need it. So I feel like we've given people a decent suite of tools that they can sort of pull out when it's convenient. So there are sometimes when people will be willing to do mindfulness practices and sometimes when people will need to do something a little bit more concrete, like expressive writing. So if you can't, if you don't really feel like you can get your mind in that space of being ready to be mindful and relax, there are actual like concrete physical things that you can do mm-hmm. that will bring your mind into that space without you having to, you know, sit there and just ooh, hope that you can take a deep breath and get there. So expressive writing is one of my favorite tools for that. And that's something that we, um, I don't want to say took from, um, but a book called Back in Control, which you don't want to buy the whole program just for that. You don't need to go buy the book Back in Control and it will talk about expressive writing, which has been one of my most powerful, um, low investment, easy tools for stress reduction. And then finally, with the movement and exercise section, we did something a little bit different. I think there are a lot of really amazing pregnancy movement, pregnancy fitness programs out there. Brianna Battles has an amazing one. I own that one. So rather than trying to reinvent the wheel as two practitioners who are not experienced in fitness, it's been many years since my CrossFit certification lapsed. And even then, it's not probably a modality that I would recommend to most women. Um, So what we did was bring in an amazing woman named Vanessa Gengler, who is all about alignment, bringing your body into alignment for a more stable pelvic floor to ensure that the the pregnancy process is comfortable and the birth process is more comfortable (laughs) than maybe it would be otherwise. So that, as you can see, is probably the most important things um, for anybody, no matter what stage they're in. And the fun thing was that Vanessa did her videos for us at about eight months pregnant. So that's always fun to see. Yeah. So that's our, that's our most important, um, most important element of the program is the core four. Mm, I love that so much. And it, it very much echoes what I like to teach when it comes to balance is that I love talking about nutrition, but balance and, you know, health comes from all of these areas Mm -hmm. and all of these different elements, not just the one. And I think, I was definitely that person in my, at least in my first pregnancy where I was very much focused on, I need to eat these types of foods Mm -hmm. and beating myself up when I couldn't make that happen. And I was working for the, for the majority of my pregnancy and my husband was, was away and he's not a cook anyway. And so I was very much like, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And And then all of it. Yep. And all of it, no flexibility (laughs) or I tried. So yeah, so I I love that you bring in those other elements too because I think I definitely at least with my first pregnancy was not did not have that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So I love that a lot. So something I'm I'm wondering. So the woman who is listening, I know that we have moms who are seasoned moms who listen to the podcast, and we also have women who haven't yet had kiddos and they are considering getting pregnant in the near future. So. I wonder if there's anything that you can kind of point these women to for things that you might not see the average woman um, being aware of before becoming pregnant in any of these areas um, mm-hmm. or maybe missing out on. Oh, man. I would, I would tell folks not to be so obsessed with any one thing that you lose sight of just living a really rich and fulfilling life. I think that's and I get it because the second time around, I mean, I'm almost 37, which is not that old, but you know, if you go to the obstetrician, they'll tell you that you're geriatric. We got pregnant really quickly the first time. This one took a little bit of time. So, and I understand how quickly it can become like an, oh my gosh, what if we don't get pregnant this time? Oh my gosh, how long are we going to have to wait? I totally get that. And that was a struggle for me feeling like, do I... What's wrong? What do I need to be doing differently? Do I want to do like a, you know, the second you don't get pregnant, you're like, do I need to do a comprehensive 365 day hormone detox protocol? Like what, what can I buy? Like what, what supplements, what should I do? Do I want to get started with that? And so you just start to think, oh Lord, I didn't do enough last year and the year before, and now I'm paying for it. But all of those thoughts, just let them go because that 
having to wait longer than you want to wait and things not working, it's part of the human experience. We won't always be able to explain it. Sometimes we will be able to, sometimes we need more help. So if you have the mental space and, and maybe you do, I personally did not to do like a fertility pre-pregnancy plan, which could include nutritional support, supplementation, sleep hygiene, working on your stress, seeing a therapist, whatever it might be. One like little element of like, I'm starting to hate the term, but self-care, whatever you can work in that you weren't already doing that you can feel good about that will boost your self-esteem has major firepower in my opinion. So even if it's just investing in a good prenatal or, you know, doing I think sometimes with food, it's more what you add necessarily than what you even subtract. So I know it's important to avoid certain things, but oftentimes if you can just add something like salmon once a week, or I don't know, like a really good, rich, antioxidant, rich salad every couple of days, like just adding those things in and not putting all that pressure on yourself to get rid of, never eat a chip again or never have ice cream again, but rather just say, hey, I can have that, but I'm also going to do something really good for myself this week too, that type of thing. I think those are the gentlest approaches that probably, in my opinion, get you the most mileage, just a normal, you know, everyday person. There are some people who are going to need some hormone help and you know there are practitioners and programs out there that are wonderful for that. But one of the things I think Meg the midwife in particular had discovered in working with women um, before pregnancy is that sometimes just making some of those switches to kind of control your stress, boost your nutrition a little bit, boost your confidence a little bit will actually take care of some of the hormone stuff. And if you need to, you know, move some levers from there, you can find a competent practitioner who can do some testing with you. Mm, yeah, I'm, I love that notion of just adding things in yeah. and doing those little things. And yes, there are some people who might need a little bit of extra support, but starting with that, you know, those gentle additions instead of doing some big grand overhaul. Cause I know I've experienced both of those things. I did the big grand mm-hmm. overhaul with where I did this whole, you know, sort of detox protocol before I got pregnant with my, with my first daughter. Um, and I mean, we got pregnant pretty quickly with her, so I mm-hmm. suppose it worked, but it drove me absolutely insane. And I'm sure my <laughs> husband as well. <laughs> so there was that. And then I definitely took a more gentle approach the second time around. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you with, it's about adding, it's about taking that, you know, when you can. And then if not, then yeah, you get a little, little bit of support, but I love that. Just adding in some, some more, more things that are going to, I guess, support your body. Yeah. Yeah. Ask ask yourself, what's not going to stress me out? What can I do that's not going to add more stress? And then that ends up becoming rather than a stressful proposition, it kind of becomes like a confidence boosting proposition in my opinion. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 37 years old or six years old, we all need a little confidence boost here and there. It can go a really long way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I'm curious, sort of, you know, on the ancestral health side of things, because this is the world that you've, you've come from. And I I just want to touch on it a little bit because I think there is, there's those of us who have been in this world for a long time when it comes to whether we're talking about, you know, paleo and I was paleo for a while. And then I shifted to this place I am now where I eat the foods that feel good for me and I don't label it. Um, There's no labels around here. And, you know, there's, but there's, there's still the importance of traditional foods and incorporating those type of things, um, you know, at least from the nutrition perspective. And then there's also, you know, obviously we've been talking about movement and sleep and all of these things that are also incredibly important. But do you think that there's areas where if somebody might not be in this world or have some of this experience that you might have, um, you know, taking a gentle approach and having the mindset of having a gentle approach to it. Do you think that there are things that the mainstream world kind of overemphasizes when it comes to any of these areas, nutrition or movement or sleep or where or stress or anything versus the ancestral health world, so to speak, I'm just kind of grouping it into that. Yeah. That might be a little bit more lax or even vice versa, where you're like, okay, we could bring in a little bit more gentleness in one of these areas. I don't know if this is going to be an exact answer to, to answer to your question, but I think I'll put out a few things that I think need to be looked at more thoughtfully. 
on both sides. And these are not fully, these are things that I'm still wanting to write about and research it. So I'll just kind of tell people where I'm at with this. One of the things that I think both sides overemphasize, whether you're coming from a sort of conventional dietary practice to a, or an ancestral perspective, I think we are so afraid of carbohydrates that we forget that glucose is the primary fuel for fetal development. And I probably butchered that. Please excuse me. But my basic point is that we don't need to be so afraid of carbohydrates during pregnancy, especially if they're balanced with the right amounts of protein and healthy fat. So one of the things in our program that we talked about was certainly how to get you know healthy sugars but we also, one of the things that we also talked about, I believe this might've been a, a fertility thing, was talking about how like really, really good, well-made ice cream without a bunch of garbage ingredients was actually a really good fertility food, kind of an anti-stress fertility type food. And I think people are so afraid of stuff like that. They're just, they don't want to go there. They're worried that a bowl of ice cream will mean three cartons of ice cream by the end of the week. And I find that that's actually more of a problem of stress than actual physical cravings. And that's a whole nother, whole nother can of worms, but maybe it'll plant a seed for some folks. The other thing that I think both sides need to pull back on a little bit, and we're doing research on this now, and we will continue to do so, is a, uh, an obsession <laughs> with um, fish oils, with EPA and DHA. They're really important. But at the same time, one of the things we did with Baby Making and Beyond was go through a lot of the existing research on fish oil in pregnancy in the third trimester. And a lot of what's out there that is being used to build recommendations on both sides, whether ancestral or conventional, we'll call it, is not as robustly supported as many people think. And that was really tough. And, and this is not just coming from me. I'm a writer. That's kind of the role that I take. What I like to do is consult with experts. So what we did with Baby Making and Beyond is basically assemble a team of well-qualified researchers. We have had PhDs come through and do some writing and work for us. We have several members of the team who are master's level scientists, neuroscientists. I mean, really, really brilliant people. I've had a molecular geneticist work on some stuff for us. So we really dig in there. These are not answers that I feel like I am qualified to you know, research and, and disseminate, but these are questions that we've asked because we wanted to take nothing for granted. We wanted to take nothing um, you know, at face value. So the value of, of fish oil during these certain points of pregnancy is not as well supported as we thought. Now, that doesn't mean you need none of it. It just means that the eggs that we're putting in this one basket, maybe we could move a couple eggs to a different basket. So instead of worrying about taking 10 capsules of fish oil every day in the, this, and that's an exaggeration, by the way, taking your fish oil every day in the third trimester, maybe you're okay having fish once a week and eating egg yolks and having you know a nice plate of real food for dinner every night rather than worrying about how many supplements you're taking. And it was in a way kind of disappointing because there are some researchers that I follow that I really, really respect who have been on major, major radio and TV shows who um, have been disseminating information that is <laughs> at least not supported by any of the scientific literature that we could find. We've reached out, we've tried to ask, hey, you said this, just wondering where where, where you got that and, you know, what the justification for that is. And it's just, we found it kind of lacking. So both of those things, at least for me personally, made me feel a little bit more freedom over rather than restriction, which was, you know, great for me. Hopefully it doesn't freak everybody out. Nobody's hurting their baby by having done something differently because I certainly did differently the first time around, but it was nice the second time around to feel like I had a little bit more flexibility and that it was all right that I wasn't taking, you know, 12 different pills every day to try and meet these impossible nutritional requirements that you really just couldn't get from food. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So I think this leads really well into another question that I have for you. So what has been different for you with this pregnancy versus last pregnancy? Either, you know, maybe changes that you've consciously made or maybe just 
unconscious changes that have just sort of happened during your pregnancies. Have you noticed a big difference between the two pregnancies and kind of how you approach them? Yeah. Well, we're recording in the summer of 2020 and the world is on fire. I don't know if you heard. (laughs) I mean, that too. (laughs) That too. So even from the beginning of this pregnancy, what I was focusing on was just getting as much nourishment as I could without being dogmatic. And for me, what that looked like was, for example, and this is what's so funny. Some people are going to maybe love me. Some people are going to hate me and be like, this woman is a crackpot. She's on this podcast saying it's okay to eat ice cream and that you don't need all your fish oil. That's not what I'm saying at all. But one of the things that I did was I found a really amazing, amazing farm that did that does raw milk. And I decided to add raw milk to my routine and a couple times a week that I would have some organic cereal because that made me really, really happy. (laughs) I just really wanted some cereal sometimes. And I am very aware of how it affects my body. I actually got uh, called out at one point by my OB because they do, uh, you know, they, they have you pee in a cup. Hopefully I can say that when you get to their office and they'll check your, your sugars. And she was like, what did you have for breakfast today? And I was like, um, organic cinnamon toast crunch. (laughs) And I never just have organic cereal. I'll have eggs. I'll have like my protein first, and then I'll have a little bowl of cereal with raw milk. And it just is one of those things that makes me feel like, ah, it's going to be a good day. I hadn't eaten cereal in 12 years until this pregnancy. And I just kind of went for it and chose to do so guilt-free. And my OB was like, yeah, you've got sugar in your pee. And I was like, oh, busted. And it was that reminder that you really do have to, there's that word, right? Balance. Going to have a little bit of this cereal. It can't be cereal all day, every day, and only cereal. It has to be with protein and with healthy fat and with a little bit of like foresight, you know, that understanding of what I'm actually doing and what the consequences could be. And so that kind of snapped me back to reality. I mean, I was in a hurry that morning and I was just trying to get something down. So I skipped my hard boiled eggs, but, but it's all good. So that's something that kind of, you know, it's something I look forward to in the morning. Don't do it every morning, but but it's good. And now I forgot what the question was in the first place. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You have pregnancy brain. I understand. It happens no, all the time. If you've done anything differently in the, in the two pregnancies. Yeah. Okay. The other thing that I did differently, and, and I think this is probably, if you want to get into kind of um, quantifying and getting some personal data on yourself, one of the things that I learned between my first and second pregnancies was that I trend low in B vitamins. So I know I have a single nucleotide polymorphism in the MTHFR gene. That's something that I learned. That does not always lead to problems with folks. A lot of folks, which is something that we learned from our molecular geneticist, folks that have those polymorphisms, uh, a lot of people will say I have a MTHFR mutation, however you want to say it, which would potentially lead to being chronically low in folate, which is really important nutrient for pregnancy. Um, One of the things we learned was that your body can actually compensate for a deficiency in the MTHFR enzyme by cranking out more enzymes. So that was really, really interesting to me. So what I chose to do was rather than just say, oh, I have this, this polymorphism, I decided to actually look at where my nutrients were. Um, So we did just a little bit of fairly inexpensive testing um, just to kind of determine where I was at. I did uh, the, I can't remember the the lab now. It might've been SpectraCell. I'm not sure. The person that I would recommend looking to, to find out more about how to test your nutrients. Again, if this is not going to stress you out and only if you have a reason to do this is Chris Masterjohn, who has a guide to like nutrient testing that you can buy from him. And he recommends different labs that are all direct to consumer. So you can look at, for example, what your folate levels are, what your B vitamin levels are, and kind of draw some conclusions from that. So one of the things I learned is that I do sort of trend low in B vitamins. So I switched up my prenatal. So the first time around, I was using a whole foods-based prenatal that I really loved from the Synergy Company. I still think it's a wonderful prenatal. 
But this time around, I went with the Seeking Health prenatal, which has methylated folate, higher levels of B vitamins. It has a little bit of choline in it. And I also added a a separate choline supplement because choline is so, so, so important. And it's just now emerging as a sort of mainstream recommendation. It's not quite there yet, but I think we'll see that more in the coming years. So just kind of looking at a couple of benchmarks for myself and making a couple of tweaks. And I felt really good about that. So that's probably the biggest one. And just being a little, a little looser because when you've got a kid already, you kind of just have to be a little bit looser about things. The more I would try and, you know, squeeze in on things, the more I would be dropping the soap. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love those two different, you know, two very different sides of things too, where you're like, okay, more flexibility here, but also some more data here because I also want to support my body in this way. So I love that so much. And just that reminder of it really is all about balance. And sometimes, you know, even being practitioners, we need that reminder ourselves as well. So I love that. So one thing I do want to dig into a little bit, because I know that you are very passionate about it, and I think it's something that isn't talked about enough, especially when it comes to fertility and pregnancy, is the, and it was definitely a foreign concept to me with my first pregnancy. I was, I was in the holistic nutrition world space, um, but I was just getting into switching up my personal care products. I know I had switched up, you know, my cleaning solutions and things like that around my house, but something that I started learning more about, especially when I started learning about some hormonal imbalances that I have are the endocrine disruptors. So hormone disruptors, um, in our personal care products. So being someone, who has been in this, you know, safer skincare world for so many years. Can you share a little bit about how switching up our personal care products can, or not switching them up, can kind of affect our ability to potentially conceive and have a healthy pregnancy? Yeah. You know, I've, I've built a knowledge base around this over the last decade. And a decade ago, I think we were really looking at parabens as being these huge culprits in potential hormonal dysregulation. And then over time, you kind of start to learn that the effect is cumulative. There's no one thing that you can point to and say, this is the smoking gun. This is what you need to get rid of. I ran across at some point a study that talked about a bunch of individual potential hormone disruptors in environmental hormone disruptors. So it could be personal care products. It could be uh, chemicals found in certain mattresses, in different household uh, finishes, that type of thing, that what really matters is not so much the one substance, but the cumulative effect of all of those substances. And what the study said was, we may not find what we are looking for when studying one thing, but looking at the cumulative effect seems to be problematic. So we seem to have a problem when it comes to the cumulative effect of all these different things in our environments. And it shouldn't be all that surprising. I mean, think of all the chemicals that we use every day. I mean, my house is under construction. And so I've certainly got air purifiers running because I have. there's only certain things that you can control there. Um, but it's really about making the small shifts in multiple areas of life. So one of the small shifts you can make is just cleaning up your food a little bit, right? One of the shifts is cleaning up your personal care products because all that involves, it doesn't involve cooking something different that you're not used to. It doesn't involve shopping differently other than just picking a different product off the shelf. And I think that's really, for most people, easy and doable, especially now that there's a lot of market pressure around cleaning up personal care products. There's a lot more awareness around this issue than there was when I started. When I started, there were like five different product lines that actually bothered to make their products without common endocrine disruptors and toxicants. And so I was basically telling people to wash their hair with baking soda and vinegar at the time because there were so few options. So now we have a ton of options. It's one of those you know fairly easy choices that we can make um, and then I think probably the most difficult swaps to make are in household finishings and, you know, mattresses and stuff like that. That's kind of the stuff that you squirrel away for. So in the future, the next mattress you get maybe doesn't have certain flame retardants or et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of, that part's like the, the, the tougher part. 
but there's a ton of things that you can do in the meantime and a ton of options right now that just make it so much easier than it was 10 years ago to choose better products. Yeah, I love that approach too of, you know, starting you kind of start with your food or start with the personal care products. Just start small yeah. and then but it is that reminder that it is cumulative. Cuz I think yeah. for those out there who are very type A like myself, it is easy to go I've got to overhaul everything, but it is cumulative, so one one thing at a time. Yep. Eventually you get to the mattress and those types yes. of things. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and you know, one of the things you can do as well is just think about when you're eating a really healthy diet and you've got a, you know, a good amount of cruciferous veggies in there, all, all of these kind of really good nourishing fibrous veggies that we eat will help our body bind and export some of these like excess hormones that we end up with. So that can be really helpful too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just that reminder that it, it's everything we do that matters, not just what we put on, but also what we put in that is supporting our body to do what our body's supposed to do. Yeah. I love that. So one last thing that I would love to ta- kind of ask you before we start wrapping up and something that I think I've always admired about you. And if you can't tell, I'm a little bit opposite on this side of the spectrum where you're very much flexible with your, um, you know, now you've you kind of have a little bit more of a flexible view of things since pregnancy and all that when it comes to nutrition and a lifestyle and things like that. But I think you've always been somebody that I've looked up to about kind of making this healthy life happen when it comes to food choices, you know, real food choices, things like that, even when you're, you're busy, especially because like you say, you're, you're not a huge fan of cooking. So I'm wondering, bringing this all together for the woman who's like, okay, I want to improve things in a way that isn't stressful when it comes to maybe preconception or pregnancy, what are some of your tips for the woman who is busy and just who wants to get these things in, but in a way that feels doable? Oh man, that's such a good question. And I just don't know. I feel like it changes. Like for a long time, I really felt like this was a concept that Diane and I talked about on the podcast at one point, whether you're an abstainer or a moderator. And I, you know, abstainer being the person who, you know, they cannot do certain things and then other things they can. It's a much more, I don't want to say less flexible or more rigid, but it is a more uh, regimented, maybe well-delineated approach to living life. And I always thought that was me. And I was always like, why do I suck at this so bad? And then I kind of realized I actually am a moderator where I can kind of come in and out of this place of, you know, I'm really healthy, you know, I'm making really healthy choices or I'm making choices that are best for my mental health. And those two things, you know, don't, don't always uh, match up. So I do feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at, you know, if I get quote unquote off track, which I hate that term, but it is what it is. But if I do, then I can come back to what I should be doing fairly easily. And so that's been a really neat realization. I think I was just fighting my nature there for a while. But for folks that are just busy and they need something, you know, rule of thumb, that type of thing, especially if they're not big into cooking, I guess what I've realized recently is sometimes you, um, okay, here's my example. I'm not big on vegetables. Like I don't love preparing them. I, it's not my favorite thing, but I, I really feel like I need to get a good fresh salad in a couple of days a week. So rather than making a salad full of stuff that I don't want to eat, I make a salad full of stuff that I do. So I'll have, you know, two or three veggies that are fairly acceptable to me that I'm not super excited about. And then I put on fruit and I put on, you know, chopped up dried dates and really good, like, goat cheese or feta cheese or something like that. And then just a really delicious dressing that I like. And it feels like I'm eating candy. <laughs> you know, it, it's just really good. And it's like my go-to for weeks at a time. And then I'll switch it up. I'm trying to remember what I had the other day, just a huge pile of greens, uh, really well chopped. So you kind of get more in than you think you're getting um, mixed greens, like a spring mix with some kale And then I added like blackberries, strawberries, chicken, goat cheese, a strawberry vinaigrette. I think I added some nuts on there. I mean, it's not like a nasty veggie salad with lemon juice. It's just like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should be able to sometimes, but for the most part, I'm like, whatever. 
So that's just one of those things that can be your go-to day after day. If somebody in your house knows how to make some chicken for the week, you could chop it up and put that on top there. That's kind of striking that balance between meal prepping a little bit, like you've got your chicken made, but you're not like, I have to know every single meal I'm going to eat every day this week because that's Mm -hmm. just stressful. So you wake up, you have some eggs. Maybe what makes those eggs happier for you is to have them on a piece of toast. That's in my opinion, that's great. Mash up some extra egg yolks on there. There's your breakfast. You've got your salad for lunch. And then for dinner, something, something easy, a hunk of protein. And maybe even if you're feeling it like a pile of fruit and some, you know, Siete Foods chips or something Mm -hmm. like that you've done. I think that that is a day of nutrition that I would be, I would be totally fine with. I would feel good about it. And I feel like it's fairly easy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the specific examples too, because I think you have made so many women like breathe a big sigh of relief when they're like, Liz is going to tell me all of these things that I have to eat in a day. And you're like, and just finish with some (laughs) Siete chips, which is us very often in our house. (laughs) Just have some dang Siete chips. I hope, you know, I don't think I've lost that many people having become more flexible. I think, Mm -hmm. I think folks do appreciate it. And it's real. It's it's how I live my life. And I feel, you know, I've got it. Oh my gosh, you guys, we've got enough stress right now. I mean, (laughs) we have a lot of necessary shifts happening in the world and also a lot of just scary stuff happening in the world that, you know, at least right now, I don't think we have enough information. And that is like really tough for me because I want to have things figured out. Otherwise it is all I can think about. So even when there's not, you know, a global pandemic and massive shifts in the collective consciousness going on, we've all got stress. We all have things that we have to manage. And there are places that you just have to give yourself massive grace. And I truly, truly believe that for most people, our bodies and our minds can sustain that flexibility better than they can sustain rigidity. Yes. So, so good. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I could keep talking to you for hours, but I want to respect your time. Um, And so there, are there any last things that you want the woman listening to other than that? I mean, that was really, I probably should have just ended it there because that was perfect. (laughs) But, (laughs) But anything that you want the woman listening, maybe to know about baby making and beyond either the program or the life events um, and where also where they can learn more about it and everything you're doing right now. Yeah, definitely. So babymakingandbeyond.com is where you can find the program. My Instagram handle is at realfoodliz. I am very, this is not the stage of life for social media for me. And that probably also tells everyone that I'm not a very good salesperson because if I was, I would be on there every day. But I am there. If you drop me a message, I will get it eventually. Uh, Meg the Midwife is also on social media. And we also have a baby making baby making and beyond account, but there are different ways to get a hold of us if you want to just ask: Is this program for me? What's next for the program? That type of thing. So we're we're around. We will we will find you. You will find us. And I just you know, I want people to really this whole thing. The last like ten years has been a journey to just kind of self confidence. And I don't want to say I'm a confident person, but what I, what I want everybody to find within themselves is an understanding that your path is going to look different from others. And I think we spend a lot of time, you know, on social media, looking for that role model, looking for that person who's going to have all of the ideas that we can incorporate to make our lives better. But I think the bottom line is you have to take a little piece from here, a little piece from there and build something that really works for you and be constantly willing to adjust that as needed. I really, really hate that about life because it would be a lot easier if I could just get an out-of-the-box plan and never have to adjust anything and expect everything to fall into place. But what I'm learning, at least for myself, is that's not how it works. So I hope everybody can kind of find that self-confidence to take the information that they need and the things that work for them and leave the rest and do your best to just live, you know, the happiest, most peaceful existence as you can. It's, it's just, that's what I hope for everyone. 
Oh my gosh. So, so good. Thank you so much, Liz. This was fantastic. I have um, had such a great time talking with you and I'm sure you have blown so many women's minds and I think that they are going to really collectively just take a deep sigh of relief <laughs> um, and also get some really, really good solid tips for moving into whether it's conception or, or pregnancy and hopefully they will they'll go ahead and, and check out Baby Making and Beyond. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me on. So I have three fun little rapid fire questions I love to ask all of my guests. I'm really curious to hear your answers if you'd be willing. Let's do it. So the first one, and I know you already mentioned that you're not a huge cook. So what is your favorite thing to cook? Oh, nothing. (laughs) I like to cook nothing. I love to make cookie dough and eat cookie dough, but I don't do that very often. I do. I like the process of baking. I like the process of measuring and then making something, but anything I ever bake turns out horribly. So I really can't answer that question. I'm just, I'm not great. I'm not great at cooking. I love it. So then what is your favorite thing to order if you're maybe going out to a restaurant when we're allowed to do that? Um, Or maybe have someone else cook for you. I love going out for Indian food. That's one of my favorite cuisines. And I love, oh my gosh, my husband makes the best burger. It's, it, I don't know if Peaks Bowl are familiar with Winstead's. It's this like Kansas City area restaurant where you, they make these steak burgers that are really super thin and just like charred to perfection and then pile a couple patties on top of each other and eat them with a little bit of cheese and onions and ketchup. My husband makes amazing burgers. Mm, that sounds so good. That's one of the few things my husband cooks as well. He does burgers for us. So good. <laughs> so I talk a lot here on the podcast about moving away, really what we've been talking about today, from kind of strict rules around food and really individualizing wellness. So what I like to call your beautiful balance. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Oh, I think we talked about it earlier, right? Hard-boiled eggs and like some cereal. Like <laughs> that would be, that would be my life's balance, right? Whatever equivalent is equivalent to cereal and whatever is equivalent to hard boiled eggs, just bringing that balance back. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for answering those. And thank you. Thank you so much for being on Liz. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.